You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati, marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Hey everyone, a warm welcome. I'm Bridget Mutambira coming to you from the Chinese capital in Beijing. You're listening to China Africa Talk, the program that brings you discussions from a Chinese and African perspective. Here's hoping you can hear us loud and clear from wherever you're tuned in. And a big shout out to our listeners in Africa. Welcome to the program. So today we continue our series with our three friends in the African media space, currently based in China. That's Walter Nyamkondiwa. He's from Zimbabwe. Kojo Adams from Ghana and Francis Mtalaki all the way from Kenya. Today we'll discuss a bit on what they captured over the last four months regarding tourism in China and how their countries can position to attract Chinese tourists. Before we delve into the discussion, just a gentle reminder for comments on how we can improve the program, please leave an email on radio at cgtn.com. Guys, it's been a bit, but great to have you back to discuss how China's tourism attractions and culture of travel could perhaps inspire tourism and development um, in Africa, in your countries, and how your countries can position themselves to attract Chinese tourists based on what you have experienced here in China and what you've seen during your travels um, across the country. Welcome to the program. Many thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll start with Walter. Walter, you're from Zimbabwe. How would you characterize the practical aspects of China-Africa tourism in general? During the four months that you've been around, what have you observed? Well, my observations have been um, quite intriguing. Mm-hmm. The tourism side of China, as it relates to Africa, uh, I would say China is very developed in terms of its products and how the products are marketed and managed as well to ensure that they become the attractions that they are supposed to be. Right. Uh, you find that there's a very active tourism appetite in China, mm-hmm. which may not necessarily be comparable to, to back home in Zimbabwe. When you talk of uh, domestic tourism, uh, here it's more pronounced. It's sort of like a mass market where you find hordes of people, local people, frequenting the tourist attractions that Mm. are uh, everywhere in in China. Mm. Uh, I would cite, for example, the Forbidden City. Yes. I think it was one of the first tourist attractions that we visited. You notice that the sheer number of people going to the Forbidden City is quite amazing. We're told that on average you get around 20,000 visitors to the Forbidden City per day uh, on, on any given day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you look at that same number uh, back home in terms of the Chinese visitors to Zimbabwe. Mm. In 2022, there were about 23,000 tourists from China. The whole year. 
that's for a whole year. And here you're comparing a whole day thing. in comparison to a whole day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So those those are some of the fascinating aspects mm. that I found as they relate to tourism in China and, and, and also in, in Zimbabwe. How about Francis? Francis, you're from Kenya. What have been your observations so far uh, during your four-month stay in China when you compare uh, some of the practical aspects of, of China, Africa tourism in general? Well, by and large, from what many of the things uh, I think my colleague uh, Walter has mentioned, them, but allow me maybe to use some uh, real situation and events during mm-hmm. my four months stay here in China. Right. I could say that uh, the Chinese tourism is largely driven by the domestic market okay. compared to many African countries that have visited and including my country, where we largely depend on foreign tourism to, in, in order to grow our numbers. But recently, I would say also the trend is slowly changing. Like in Kenya, many Kenyans have begun embracing domestic tourism. Right. But it's different. It's different from what uh, Chinese do. You would find many Kenyans would love to go for you know for a holiday for tourism just for fun, uh-huh. enjoyment, and those we call them gigs, you know. Yes. And uh, as opposed to China, here many people are visiting the cultural sites. Mm-hmm. You would find even the elderly, the young, also uh, in in the in the queue trying enjoy, to, yes. to mm. visit those sites. So that is one thing that uh, I've noticed and. This tells me also how the Chinese people value and admire mm-hmm. where they've come from mm-hmm. and uh, where they, were, they, are, they, they are heading and may, possibly maybe for the next generation how they would want it shaped. Because back then, not so many people go to for holidays, let's say it's, if it's uh, the Fort Jesus, which is very uh, historical for uh. Kenyans and for Africa. But you would find very little. And also maybe how they are still developing these kind of tourist sites. Yeah, mm-hmm. You'll find we went to a place at, uh, at CN, the museum. They are still developing those kind of uh, tourism sites. And uh, it tells you maybe a hundred years uh, from now uh, how significant uh, that place would be in terms of uh, the tourism numbers. Mm, so I get the sense that both of you are on the same wavelength to say, okay, in your countries, you have less domestic tourism. Yes, we rely more on foreign tourists. In fact, tourism is the second biggest uh, contributor in terms of the revenue. So that tells you most of the numbers come from the foreign market. So it tells you after the COVID-19, how things went went bad, even the economy was really affected. Uh And now we're trying to grow the numbers back. That is why now after COVID, we've seen many Kenyans trying to embrace holiday making and Mm. visiting those sites. It's not that large as, as compared to China. Okay. Kojo, you're from Ghana. Um, how would you characterize the practical aspects of China-Africa tourism? What have you observed so far during your four-month stay in China? Well, I think it's interesting. If you look at the China-African cooperation, mm-hmm. it also extends to tourism. Because so far, getting to the fourth month stay in China, We've visited a lot of exciting places. Mm. You can talk of Forbidden City, the uh, Great Wall, Uh and other exciting places, which I think when we are able to harness it very well, especially with African perspective, we can learn something from China and also generate some money. Because one striking thing I've learned is that the domestic patronage, Uh if you look at the Chinese themselves, patronizing Uh their tourist site 
you know, activities is so overwhelming. So we need to it enhance the collaborations. Mm. Um, you mentioned some tourist sites that you visited. I'd like to know, um, in your opinion, how strategic China's tourism industry has been in terms of uh, development of tourist sites in China. What have you gathered so far? I'm trying to relate to my country, Ghana. Uh -huh. We have about 41 sites. You can talk of Kwame Nkrumah uh -huh. Museum. Uh -huh. Recently, it's been renovated and it's more or less like a state of the art. When you come, you try to learn more of the historical perspective and we are getting a lot of patronage. Okay. So we can also talk of Kakum National Park. Okay. It's just uh, 20 meters to the north of Cape Coast, one of the regions in Ghana. Right. And it's one of the tourist sites that provides shelter for endangered animals like elephants, leopards, mm -hmm. antelopes, and the rest. And I'm sure it's an educative lesson or things that students and the people could also learn, mm -hmm. not only in Ghana, across Africa and across the world, that we can even establish that cross-country travel to learn from, you right, know, each right, other's right. cultural activities. Francis, could you just mention that in, in Ghana, they have like 41 tourist sites, main sites in your country. What is there to see? Perhaps you could let the listeners know. So in Kenya. And, uh, mm -hmm. From Kenya, because we categorize them from the sandy beaches, from mm -hmm. those who are historical sites, and uh, we also pride ourselves from the wildlife. But in terms of the, the sandy beaches, it's mm -hmm. one of the marketing places that uh, for the last three or four years consecutive, the Annie Beach has been voted like the best beach mm -hmm. in the world. We are yet to see uh, that uh, impact as a result of that nomination and that uh, scooping those awards for three years. Right. And also we have the uh, the migration of the wild beasts. Uh, oh, yes. That okay. happens every year. 1.5 million, the wildlife, just mm -hmm. cross over from Serengeti to Kenya in Masai Mara. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was lucky uh, during my trip at sea and I met an a uh, Chinese investor who also visited the world this year mm -hmm. in, in June in July. So uh, it's, it's quite encouraging that even Chinese are beginning to embrace this. Mm -hmm. But uh, com coming back to your question in terms of the strategic how China has positioned itself, yeah, and I don't know if I'm is. right. Or if I'm, mm -hmm. Yes, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I've noticed that events or even conferencing mm. are tied up to a tour to of a site yes. that is a bit historical. Mm. And if that strategy is true, then it's the best way of growing the foreign numbers, especially uh, coming after COVID-19. Honestly, it is something that's very encouraging. Mm. And uh, maybe if African countries, and specifically Kenya, can uh, emulate that, yeah. I think we'll be able to grow our numbers. Also, I think what they have done is to have that culture of embracing domestic tourism for their own survival. Oh, Given yes. that we'll find school-going children, the middle-aged and the elderly going there to have fun and to enjoy and to also refresh themselves. So I think if those two can be blended together, mm -hmm. I think Africa is said to benefit a lot because Africa has a lot of rich cultural heritage. Mm -hmm. And for Africa, most of, the, of those are real things that you can be able to see. And uh, they are natural things as opposed to maybe some here in China are still being developed. So that one, I think we have a cutting edge, but the formula is a bit different. Mm. Walter, you have the Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. You have the Great Zimbabwe as well. Do you agree with Francis when we talk about strategies that can be put in place to attract tourists? Would it be something that could be looked into to perhaps 
but maybe have a conference in the middle of the Great Zimbabwe ruins? What did you say? And how strategic has China's tourism industry been in terms of development of tourist sites? How does their strategy compare with Zimbabwe's tourism industry? Okay, maybe I'll start by highlighting some of the areas of interest in Zimbabwe. Sure. Nature has been very generous with Zimbabwe uh-huh. and has lavished us with so many uh, places of wonder. The flagship being the seventh wonder of the world, which is the Victoria Falls. Mm-hmm. Also have nature reserves, the, the Wange National Park, uh-huh. and these are all UNESCO recognized sites. Mm-hmm. We also have Annapurs in Marshall and West Province. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to the Eastern Highlands, it has been named the Little England of uh, Zimbabwe because of uh, its climatic conditions and also okay. the um, mountainous mountainous conditions uh, with the, with the a high higher altitude than the rest of uh, uh, Zimbabwe. So we also have man-made actions. Uh, you have the uh, Great Zimbabwe. You also have the um, uh, Lake Kariba, mm-hmm. which is the largest man-made lake in the world by volume. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the strategies that I've witnessed in China, mm-hmm. I've realized that there is that interconnection between the past. They've decided that the past will not be left to rest or the past will not be left in the past. The past would be carried along to also have live stories Uh that uh, take us vividly back Mm. to how Mm. life was lived back Mm. then and what inspired certain, um, certain features that we see now. Some of them which are really intergenerational aspects of our tourism where we document uh-huh. we also make them um, a key factor of, of, of our tourism uh-huh. i think in some way they are not as 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 pronounced as they are in china uh-huh. so in terms of marketing i think uh, for zimbabwe we really need to and oh, and even most parts of uh, of of Africa, we really need to take seriously those those aspects of our heritage yeah. and take them along. They've become a, a prominent feature in China's tourism. With people interested in knowing how this came about, how what what was the story behind yeah. the construction of uh, let's say the, the Great Wall. It's more for selling the experience than the actual attraction itself. Mm-hmm. Then you find that an attraction does not just stand alone as one particular attraction uh-huh. and nothing else to to support it. Uh-huh. So you need ancillary uh, facilities, ancillary services. Um, you have the Great Wall. Then along it, you have uh, maybe a water tower, water the water town. Uh-huh. After visiting the Great Wall. You can use a cable car to go down after going through the use the cable car. You come down, you tour the the water town. You see how uh, people used to do uh, their their construction mm-hmm. and the the architecture. So it's sort of like self-contained. An attraction mm-hmm. should sort of be self-contained. I shouldn't go to an attraction 
and in just one hour or two hours i'm done with the attraction uh, yeah. i am looking for somewhere else to go yeah. unlike a situation where you just go to an attraction you see a great zimbabwe and what else you're done you now want to visit another area wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. Francis, you mentioned some activities that, that take place in your country to attract tourists. What would you say your country has done right so far to welcome Chinese tourists to the continent, especially after the pandemic? What has happened so far in Kenya and what would you say has been done right? Well, so far there has been uh, some aggressive marketing towards the foreign markets, not uh-huh. only China. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, by me meeting a Chinese national who had just visited the great migration of Masai Mara in July this year. Right. It tells me that we are doing something, but I think we need to do more. And uh, this is one of the of our two our top tourism sites. And I know uh, there has been a number of campaigns targeting foreign market using our top athletes and the top talents like Lupita Nyong'o and also Kipchoge, mm-hmm. the, the 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 athlete who was uh, who is, who was just won our world marathon. Uh, Elud Kipchoge, uh-huh. and uh, as, as our ambassadors uh, for tourism, uh-huh. it's beginning to gain momentum. And one thing I think can also spur the numbers. I think we can use the Chinese national uh, who are in Kenya or in Africa, who are trying to deliver uh, projects. If they can have some incentives, let's say uh, to visit uh, places of our time when they want to relax, mm. this can also help in terms of telling the stories. By using Chinese people to be the ambassadors in setting the, in telling the stories for Kenya, mm. this can be the best this way for yeah. numbers, especially if we're targeting Chinese people. Okay, so having some uh, Chinese brand um, uh, ambassadors or Chinese athletes talking about Kenya would go a long way. Yes. Culture. Um, did you ever come across Ghana's travel and tourist packages being advertised anywhere? In China. Oh yes, you see, there are a lot of them. Okay. Uh, a lot of these, you know, promotional activities, even on your phone okay. when you are yeah. even watching some here in China. Some yeah, some videos you have an advert uh-huh. that will talk about one site or the other. Okay, you understand. Uh-huh. Well, how is it with Kenya during your travels in China? Did you c- come across any promotional flyer marketing tourism in in, in Kenya? Yes, uh, they, they are, but uh, not that much. Okay. And, uh, yes, so mostly it's the use of the, the social media and okay. the social sites. Uh, so that is that is what is, I could say I, I've come across. So because I, you, you look at their financial capabilities, uh-huh. then that could be a challenge. So maybe uh, a good uh, marketing strategy, but to the wrong t- target uh, audience. It's difficult for people to know what's out there when people don't see any adverts or promotional uh, packages that market their tourist sites. Walter, during your travels here, have you managed to locate or spot promotional packages that are marketing 
Zimbabwean tourism to to the Chinese market here, whilst here in China? Yeah, I understand something is being done. Okay. As to whether or not that is adequate to to have any impact in in attracting tourists, uh-huh. um, considering how vast the the potential China is, uh-huh. it's debatable. Okay. But um, I understand the first batch of tourists went to China early this year. Okay. Um, after opening up following the um, the COVID nineteen induced lockdowns, but I feel that um, more can and uh, should be done to fully exploit that. Uh-huh. Um, I would even suggest that having a tourism office in China would be a good starting point in a bid to attract the tourists because. I mean, at having like 400 million people who fit in the middle and upper upper class with disposable income mm-hmm. means they once they have a product worth pursuing, they are positioned to exploit it because money is not a challenge. Mm-hmm. So they will need those resources to be directed towards your country. So I think much of what I've interacted with are possibly individuals who are staying here in China okay. who, who market the country by word of mouth uh, to the people they interact with. Okay. Uh, which is a strong marketing tool. But it's but not, probably not enough. I think the reach is limited and there is no coordination when it's done that way. Okay. But I also feel that um, you need to pump out money to okay. get money. Okay. When it comes to pumping out money, you're pumping out money to ensure that your destinations are top-notch. Okay. okay. Right. That's, that's the first thing, which means all the support infrastructure is there. Then at the second level, uh-huh. I look at the Chinese taikonauts yes. or in, in others, FC as they are called, uh, astronauts. Mm-hmm. You look at those people and how much respect they have or the Ghana in China mm-hmm. because of what they've managed to do in terms of promoting the national pride. Sure. Zimbabwe can come in or even another country can come in. Mm-hmm. A fully funded trip to Zimbabwe. To the Victoria say Falls. the Victoria Falls, Manapools, say Mashingo. A fully funded trip that befits their stature. And you also have the Chinese media coming in to highlight mm. that process, just imagine the impact yeah. that will it will have yeah. in terms of attracting. Similar so, to what Francis Francis was mentioned about using a brand ambassadors. Exactly, Francis. What would you say could be done to visibly boost Africa's visibility among Chinese tourists before they even go to Africa? What could be done here? Yeah, from where I sit, I think there has to be more funds set aside in terms of marketing China as Kenya as or, or Africa as a preferred destination uh-huh. and uh, we should be able to pinpoint what are these uh, major attracting uh, sites that are eye-catching in terms of uh, the Chinese market uh-huh. and to uh, more cooperation in terms of uh, let's say China and Kenya and uh, this can be driven by the fact that uh, there has been an agitation from the tourism stakeholder back in Kenya. Okay. Uh, yearning for more direct flights, for example. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, they need more of uh, direct flights, let's say, from uh, 
Beijing to Nairobi and yeah. Beijing to Mombasa, which Mombasa is seen as a as a tourism hub. Those little challenges, if they can be able to be handled, and uh, there should be more cooperation, more marketing, both here in China and in in in, in back in my country in Kenya. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have on the program, guys. Thank you so much for your insights. It's nice that you guys mentioned the issue of language, connectivity, making use of technology. Africa needs to step up in those sectors, in those areas, so that it can attract more tourists. And this is based on your observations as you travel around uh, China. Um, guys, that's all the time that we have. And thank you so much. Many thanks. You're thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time. Find the Beijing Hour at precisely 6 p.m. Beijing time. We meet you on podcast and on air every weekday. The Beijing Hour your window on China and the rest of the world.